This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Monday, April 10th. The Camden County Commission says they don't trust the ATF. The Commission sent a letter to the Bureau last week in response to the ATF's request for information about some local firearms dealers. That information was publicly available, the Commissioners say, and they said the county's Second Amendment Protection Act prevents them from cooperating. At a press conference Friday, all three commissioners said they're worried the agency has been weaponized against small firearms businesses. Lots more to this one and video from the press conference at lakeexpo.com. The Miller County Sheriff's Office has received a grant to improve the county jail. Thanks to a grant for nearly $350,000, the county intends to use the grant money to update the electronic infrastructure of the jail, which is now 25 years old. The grant will also provide officer body cameras and a body scanner so hidden contraband could be found when suspects are brought into the jail. It's springtime, and with warmer weather comes the Kids Harbor Go Blues Barbecue Bash. It's Kids Harbor's largest fundraising event, and there will be live music by the lake's own iBerries, plus barbecues served up by our local community. The bash is Saturday, April 29th. It runs from 1 in the afternoon until 5 in the afternoon at high tide in Osage Beach. That's right next to Redhead's Lakeside Grill. Sponsorships are available, and there's still time to enter your skills in the barbecue competition, too. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by Adair's Wildlife Removal Service, offering affordable solutions for all of your residential and commercial nuisance animal problems. Adair's keeps the wildlife where it belongs, in the wild. Serving Camden, Miller, and Morgan Counties. Online at adairs-animals.com or call 573-378-8739. This is Bill Munhausen with another Key Opinion. In this case, it's our first-ever guest opinion by Jim Brodigan, who submitted this for our Ozarks Voices program. Jim did such a nice job, I wanted him to exemplify what I'd like to hear from listeners. He recorded directly to his phone. A perfectionist might say he could use a pop filter to make a better recording, but it's very listenable. Just as importantly, he expresses good ideas. My mom came to America through Ellis Island, and things turned out just fine. Here's Jim. This country needs a new Ellis Island. Let's put it on the southern border in Texas. All immigrants seeking to work in America could come through there, be processed, and sent out with permission to work and pay taxes all within a few hours. Did you know that the original Ellis Island immigrants were not given citizenship when they passed through Ellis Island? They were only given permission to work and sent off into the country in order to do so. Today's immigrants could be checked for criminal records, health problems, and ability to earn a living and then be sent on their way with the possibility of U.S. citizenship at a later date. 
Haven't we all been aware of the lack of workers in stores, restaurants, and the trades? Business owners decry the lack of help, saying, no one wants to work anymore. Well, immigrants want to work, and they have the ability to develop skills needed to be productive citizens. Immigrant workers should be a win-win and a win, not only for the employer and the worker, but for the consumer, who needs the goods and services that immigrants can't provide. Sure, there will be those that try to game the system. A new Ellis Island immigration scheme would need to include concerns for abuse of welfare programs, such as unemployment insurance, disability, and health care. We have plenty of U.S.-born citizens abusing the system already. We don't need more. Funneling immigrants through one legal porter on the border would free up our Border Patrol to go after the criminal element that smuggled dangerous goods such as fentanyl across the border. If they are crossing the border without passing through the new Ellis Island, they are probably up to no good and are obvious targets for enforcement by the Border Patrol. Employers need the workers. Consumers need the goods and services. The Border Patrol needs the opportunity to focus on serious criminals, and America needs a new Ellis Island. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what, what were the events, what are the things behind the scenes here, what, what led to this. Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why it well it's because the news told us join professor jim paisley thursdays and saturdays at 6 a.m 2 p.m and 10 p.m for the true history professor program on 89.3 the key If you'd like to become a content provider, simply contact the Lakes Community Radio Station at 89.3, the key. Good morning. It is 8.07, and we are off and running on a beautiful day, beautiful week. Looks like weather-wise, 49 degrees, some sunshine in Osage Beach. We'll get a few peaks of sunshine expected as uh, clouds kind of move around with us today. Stray shower or thunderstorm is possible. 
and that rain chance uh, right now at about 50, uh, 15%. Let me be clear about that, 15%. Partly cloudy and 50 for the overnight low, then back up to 77 tomorrow with sunshine, sunny and 78 on Wednesday, sunny and 78 on Thursday, mostly sunny and 78 on Friday. Some clouds and 69 on Saturday, partly cloudy and 60 degrees on Sunday. Again, 49 degrees as we broadcast live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors right here in beautiful downtown Osage Beach. What a great weekend. I hope you had a chance to get up and enjoy one or both days. We had some fun on Saturday. I'll talk about that here in a bit. Uh, current lake level at 655.85, river level at 558.66, surface water temp at 51 degrees. So things looking very spring-like around these parts, and boom, the trees have taken off. All kinds of trees, redwoods and... <laughs> red. Did I say redwoods? <laughs> Not redwoods. <laughs> Dogwoods and... Uh, a number of others, oaks and all the, uh, he said redwoods, <laughs> those massive redwood trees we have here at the Lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> oh, man. We had a, a, a great weekend, and I will say it was so much fun to hang out with the folks at the Max Creek Community Park on Saturday for the Big Easter Egg Hunt. It was a huge success. They had lots and lots of uh, people come out, lots of kids, lots of Easter eggs for the kids, and a lot of fun. They had a lot of sponsors that helped out. I wish I would have brought that list with me because I would have read each and every one of those sponsors. And not just uh, what you might think as far as sponsors go. Sponsors that uh, not only were business-related sponsors, but individuals that uh, gave money or put in time. They had uh, a whole mess of volunteers. It was great to see uh, Ashley Hayes with Barista Go Coffee. And uh, the Camden County Sheriff's Department showed up and had some goodies for the kids. They had uh, a bounce house and face painting and a duck pond and some great uh, prizes for the kids. A 50-50 drawing, and uh, it was just a fun day. Lots of free food, some hot dogs, chips, and drinks. And so if you were in any way at all involved in what happened uh, on Saturday at the Max Creek Community Park, thank you. And thanks to the park board for making this uh, whole event move forward the way that they did. It was uh, great to see everyone. It was great to make some new friends. It was great to see some old friends. And I got to tell you, folks, it was just a fun, fun, fun day. And we got to got to hang out. And I, I've already had my, what is it, April. So this was April the 8th, right? Actually, on April the 7th is when I got the first uh, nice dose of sun and then uh, followed that up on Saturday with some some more. I don't know if you can tell at at first glance looking through the SRG Financial Advisors Key Radio in-studio live cam whether or not I got some sun, but I did. And my uh, head is is a a little tender, a little sore, but all in all, what a fun day. What a great day. 
And I know they've got more things planned for the future. As a matter of fact, Jerry Palmer said, what are you doing on the 4th of July? Well, Jerry, at this point, uh, we shall see, we shall see. And I will uh, try to leave that date open because I'm guessing maybe they're going to have fireworks or at least uh, maybe a a huge get-together at the park for families on the 4th of July. So plenty of things to come. And getting that park up and running is, of course, first and foremost to the people on the park board. They did have a donation box. I don't know how much they collected in donations, but, again, they want to be able to maintain the park and keep the grass cut and have a place for people to go. Now, I understand I understand that the park is open every day until about 10 o'clock. And then after that, I guess you get in trouble for being in the park after 10 o'clock. It's not a place to uh, to uh, to live. It's uh, just a place to go and enjoy for families. And, and, and again, families from all over. It's not just uh, exclusive to folks in Max Creek. It's a nice park. It's a big facility. And they are looking at doing some amazing things in the future. And again, I just want to personally say thank you so much to the uh, park board for having me out. And Delta and I got a chance to uh, enjoy the day, and we had a lot of fun out there. Saw some of our friends, and as I said, made some new friends, and it was just a great, great time. So thanks to everyone who made it possible and to all who supported the efforts by coming out. So a lot of different things going on. As you know, the uh, Camden County Commission, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, held a press conference on Friday the 7th at 1 o'clock right there in front of the courthouse. All three commissioners were present, Don Williams, James Gohagen, Presiding Commissioner Ike Skelton, and Camden County Sheriff Tony Helms. They were all there. And uh, I actually have the audio from that event. And I think what we'll do is play it for you. I will remind you that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour at 9.10 this morning, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I talked to him yesterday. I believe he is on board. Chris Bergard, who is the director of the documentary Capital Punishment, will join me at 9.10 this morning. That is our hope. We'll talk to him about the documentary and maybe where things are as of right now. He's in the process of working on another documentary. Maybe we can uh, have him give us a little bit of a preview as far as what he is working on now. But I wanted to play the audio from the uh, event and uh, let you folks uh, listen to what uh, is on the minds of uh, folks in Camden County regarding the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. And essentially what they did is they went to the county and they went to the planning and zoning portion of the uh, county. And they were looking for some information on some local gun shops. And uh, with SAPA, the Second Amendment Preservation Act, they had established in Camden County that this uh, local government will not help the federal government in any way, shape, or form when it comes to firearms and uh, enforcing any type of uh, federal rules or regulations in Camden County. And then it was adopted by the state. It has been deemed unconstitutional by a federal judge, but uh, during the appeal process, it is still in place. And so on Friday, they held a press conference, as I mentioned, on the courthouse steps in Camden County. 
and uh, it was, uh, you know, relatively well attended, seeing as they had just gotten the information out about the event, uh, not too terribly long after finding out about it and discussing it at uh, last Thursday's commission meeting. Uh, there was also uh, a letter that was distributed, a letter that was sent to the ATF and given to all of those uh, who were in attendance on Friday. So uh, let me go ahead and play this audio from the press conference again. This is from Friday with the presiding commissioner of Camden County, Ike Skelton, District 1 and District 2 commissioners, uh, James Cohagen and Don Williams, and the sheriff of Camden County, Tony Helms. Courthouse for this press conference. Uh, I have with me First District Commissioner James Gohagen, Second District Commissioner Don Williams, and Sheriff Camden County Tony Helms. Uh, on Tuesday, April 4th, I was made aware of emails sent by the ATF to our Planning and Zoning Department. The emails requested information about current FFL holders pertaining to their zoning and business licensing. Camden County was the first state in, or the first county in the state, and possibly the first county in the country that passed the Second Amendment Preservation Act. We passed an ordinance stating we do not recognize the unconstitutional bureau known as the ATF. That under anti-commandeering doctrine, members of Camden County are not to assist any federal agency in the enforcement or application of so-called firearms laws and rules. Furthermore, Missouri passed the Second Amendment Preservation Act, which also prohibits government employees from assisting the federal government in any of their requirements or attempts to enforce federal firearm laws or any application thereof. Soon after reviewing the emails in question, I sent an email to all office holders reminding them of the precepts of the Second Amendment Preservation Act and that any future inquiries should be sent to my office. I also penned the following letter in response to the ATF inquiry. On or about Tuesday 4, 2023, this is to a Mrs. Burkowski of the ATF. You sent to our planning and zoning department requesting information about citizens of Camden County and their zoning and licensing status were forwarded to me for review. Under the anti-commandeering doctrine, Camden County was the first county in Missouri and possibly the country to pass an ordinance prohibiting any county employee from assisting your unconstitutional agency and violating the rights of our citizens, God-given, constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. As well, Missouri passed the Second Amendment Preservation Act, having a $50,000 penalty for assisting the federal government in the enforcement of unconstitutional firearms infringements. Therefore, I construe any attempt to receive information about our citizens pertaining to firearms as an attempt to coerce our employees to break Missouri law. You may consider this letter as a response to your probe. Signed by myself, First District Commissioner James Gohagen, Second District Commissioner Don Williams, our County Attorney Jeff Green, Kendra Hicks, the County Treasury, and Sheriff Tony Helms. 
any of that in our office, commission office, after this press conference. That's all I have at this time. I would ask either of the commissioners if they would like to say anything. Uh, I think the only thing the ATF is good at really is murdering innocent dogs. And we don't want you in Camden County, and I think we've made that pretty clear. That's all I got to say. Chair Bell, would you like to say anything? No, I'd just like to uh, kind of reiterate what the presiding commissioner said. That uh, I, I think we're all here to stand for our Second Amendment constitutional rights. And as the sheriff, I will defend those. Thank you. Any other counties been notified through by ATF through the same manner? I don't know. I'll be getting on the phone in the next few days, next week, and start talking to some of the other commissioners. I'll also be attending a uh, conference of the Missouri Association of Counties next week uh, as a board member in Jefferson City, and I will inquire of those folks at that time. Retribution, considering the county was the first in the state to pass the act. I'm sorry? Retribution for the county being the first in the state? Well, I think we all know the federal government doesn't like it when the little people stand up and say we're not going to do this. So is it true retribution? I believe right now uh, the Federal Bureau of uh, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has been weaponized by this current administration, and they'll do every single thing they can around the country to revoke, suspend, or not issue firearms licenses to the very best of their ability. Is, is it your position that um, if ATF came back with a subpoena or a federal court order that you'd still be in violation of Missouri law to uh, comply with that? That would be my position, yes. Yes. Uh, was any of this stuff asked for under your predecessors that you know of? I don't know. Yes. Oh, it was? Yeah. I talked to a member of Planning and Zoning and they've been requested this in the past. Anything else? Any other questions? All right, again, thank you for attending. And if you'd like, again, you can come over to the commission office and uh, we'll give you a copy of the letter that we will be sending to the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Again, thank you very much. There you go, folks. Audio from the press conference that uh, was attended by uh, a number of media outlets here locally and uh, within I guess if you want to call it the central Missouri area, southwest Missouri area. We had, uh, I believe, a crew from down in Springfield. We had uh, a crew from Jefferson City. Uh, Lake Expo was there. Uh, KRMS was there. I was there. And a few others. But uh, it was nice to see these folks step up and uh, do exactly uh, what they needed to do and that was i guess in the words of our presiding commissioner tell the atf to go pound sand <laughs> now after uh, ike was here on friday morning i called my friend dan Wass. of course he's the author of the good gun bad guy series and a second amendment uh, advocate he also has the loaded mic podcast which we air here on Key Radio, and I encourage you to listen to that podcast. Uh, and Dan will hopefully be talking with Ike uh, today or uh, prior to our interview. Dan and I will uh, be on Wednesday in the 8 o'clock hour. 
And we hope to be able to kind of discuss this. And my reason for calling Dan, obviously, is to find out more about just exactly what other people are thinking about this. Because I don't know if a lot of these folks realize and understand that the ATF is kind of doing an end around and going to a county courthouse to request information on certain people with certain businesses. And in this particular instance, those businesses are gun shops. And they do have the means necessary to obtain this information on their own. So I guess they were just trying to make it easy on themselves, call planning and zoning and ask about uh, zoning and licensing of these businesses if it has been uh, properly carried out and then uh, set the table to uh, move this thing forward. And one of the questions asked Uh, you may have heard that, was whether or not any other counties in the state of Missouri have been contacted. And at the time of the press conference, uh, the presiding commissioner, Ike Skelton, was not uh, aware of any other counties. But I'm sure this isn't something that is just uh, a Camden County issue. I'm sure other counties have been contacted. And if they're doing it uh, to Camden County, more than likely they're doing it all over the country. And it's whether or not these counties respond in the way that Camden County has responded or if they will willingly uh, answer any requests for information on gun shops in their area. And again, uh, the presiding commissioner seems to think that uh, what we're going to have here is the ATF looking for anything and everything that they can possibly do to uh, keep a gun shop from renewing its FFL or maybe even getting an FFL in the first place, the federal firearms license. And when you think about it, folks, we shouldn't have to do anything to help them with the process. And then, of course, there is uh, the fact that uh, is there really a need for this type of licensing for gun shops in the first place. Some people would say yes. Other people would uh, disagree and uh, disagree wholeheartedly that there is no need for FFLs for some of these uh, or any of these gun shops. And I guess the overall goal is to do away with the little guy. That way it's easier to keep an eye on on the uh, bigger companies that sell firearms and ammunition and try to regulate them accordingly. And as is the case with so much of this, uh, these groups, these organizations tend to use safety as a means for justifying what it is they do. Well, we just we just want to make sure that uh, whoever is... Uh, Involved is zoned properly. They have the proper licensing as far as business licensing and the like. And uh, most people would say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But then why not check on other businesses to find out if they're licensed and zoned correctly as well? But it was a specific request for specific businesses And with the Second Amendment Preservation Act in place here in Camden County and throughout the state of Missouri, assisting the federal government is not something that uh, we want to do here in Camden County. And 
certainly now in the state of Missouri. And we'll see where the appeal process ends up with the Second Amendment Preservation Act, because as I said earlier, there was a judge who deemed it unconstitutional. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, David. Good morning, John, listening to us in Austin, Texas. Interestingly enough, what a what a state where you think something like this wouldn't be an issue or a problem. And I wonder if folks down in Texas have dealt with uh, this type of of a process as well, where the ATF simply calls up and says, we'd like to find out a little bit more about some of your gun shops in your county. Are they properly zoned and or do they have a proper business license? So again, using somewhat of a smokescreen in order to determine whether or not, uh, I guess these folks would be up uh, when they're up for renewal, if that to renewal process can move forward. Or again, much like they uh, have done, will they show up in force and try to shut these places down and make it as difficult? Because again, you know, there's probably a lot of these places that could uh, very easily, uh, if they decided to go up against the federal government and its individuals, be run to the ground financially. And I think that's uh, a big concern. And certainly with the ATF, uh, there's probably any little infraction that they could uh, could find, that they could uh, blow up on these uh, various small mom-and-pop shops, so to speak. And maybe, indeed, that is their goal. Try to eliminate as many of the little guys as possible. That way they can focus on the bigger companies. I was reading John's comments here. But we'll definitely have to see how all of this plays out as it is uh, gaining um, gaining some momentum. And it's what I hope to talk about in detail on Wednesday morning with Dan Wass. And we'll see how it all plays out. It is 8.30. Let's get to our bottom of the hour break. And we'll do that now with a little local news from lakeexpo.com. We'll also hear a portion of an op-ed. Well, we'll actually hear the whole op-ed. And then we'll take some time to talk about some other things going on. Voting machines, ballots, and how things are done. Well, goodness gracious. And the current situation focusing on Taiwan and China. Stick around, folks. There's more coming up on The Daily Show on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Monday, April 10th. The Camden County Commission says they don't trust the ATF. The commission sent a letter to the Bureau last week in response to the ATF's request for information about some local firearms dealers. That information was publicly available, the commissioners say, and they said the county's Second Amendment Protection Act prevents them from cooperating. At a press conference Friday, all three commissioners said they're worried the agency has been weaponized against small firearms businesses. Lots more to this one and video from the press conference at lakeexpo.com. The Miller County Sheriff's Office has received a grant to improve the county jail. 
thanks to a grant for nearly $350,000. The county intends to use the grant money to update the electronic infrastructure of the jail, which is now 25 years old. The grant will also provide officer body cameras and a body scanner so hidden contraband could be found when suspects are brought into the jail. It's springtime, and with warmer weather comes the Kids Harbor Go Blues Barbecue Bash. It's Kids Harbor's largest fundraising event, and there will be live music by the lake's own iBerries, plus barbecues served up by our local community. The bash is Saturday, April 29th, and runs from 1 in the afternoon until 5 in the afternoon at high tide in Osage Beach. That's right next to Redhead's Lakeside Grill. Sponsorships are available, and there's still time to enter your skills in the barbecue competition, too. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. This is Bill Munhausen with another key opinion. In this case, it's our first ever guest opinion by Jim Brodigan, who submitted this for our Ozarks Voices program. Jim did such a nice job, I wanted him to exemplify what I'd like to hear from listeners. He recorded directly to his phone. A perfectionist might say he could use a pop filter to make a better recording, but it's very listenable. Just as importantly, he expresses good ideas. My mom came to America through Ellis Island, and things turned out just fine. Here's Jim. This country needs a new Ellis Island. Let's put it on the southern border in Texas. All immigrants seeking to work in America could come through there, be processed, and sent out with permission to work and pay taxes, all within a few hours. Did you know that the original Ellis Island immigrants were not given citizenship when they passed through Ellis Island? They were only given permission to work and sent off into the country in order to do so. Today's immigrants could be checked for criminal records, health problems, and ability to earn a living, and then be sent on their way with the possibility of U.S. citizenship at a later date. Haven't we all been aware of the lack of workers in stores, restaurants, and the trades? Business owners decry the lack of help, saying, no one wants to work anymore. Well, immigrants want to work, and they have the ability to develop skills needed to be productive citizens. Immigrant workers should be a win-win and a win, not only for the employer and the worker, but for the consumer who needs the goods and services that immigrants can provide. Sure, there will be those that try to game the system. A new Ellis Island immigration scheme would need to include concerns for abuse of welfare programs, such as unemployment insurance, disability, and health care. We have plenty of U.S.-born citizens abusing the system already. We don't need more. Funneling immigrants through one legal porter on the border would free up our border patrol to go after the criminal element that smuggled dangerous goods such as fentanyl across the border. If they are crossing the border without passing through the new Ellis Island, they are probably up to no good and are obvious targets for enforcement by the border patrol. Employers need the workers. Consumers need the goods and services. 
The Border Patrol needs the opportunity to focus on serious criminals, and America needs a new Ellis Island. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by our media partners at Lake TV. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, Lake TV's got it all, including five local talk shows to keep you informed and entertained. You can also see local high school football in the fall and basketball in the winter. Watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90 or absolutely free on Roku or Amazon Fire and always streaming live at MyLakeTV.com. And if you haven't liked Lake TV on Facebook, be sure you do that too. Key Radio keeps you in the know as we make improvements to better serve you. Because many of you listen online, we've re-engineered our website. You get there on the web at keyradio.live or through our iPhone and Android apps, Key Radio, K-E-Y-K. From the app, click the WWW Globe symbol to see our full site. There you can listen to live radio or call KB during the daily show or see our schedule. And don't forget that beautiful donate button. Then there are menus. Click News Weather to get your daily dose of what's happening. You can also drill down in the Key Radio link to learn all about your favorite shows, make a donation, or sponsor a show. You can also read Bill's blog and follow the social media links and notice how we highlight our sponsors on each page. It's all at your fingertips, whether you have a laptop, tablet, or smartphone. It's all part of how... Radio KEYK staff wants to serve you. Do you or a family member or maybe an employee need help? Encompass Purpose is here for you. Encompass Purpose is a nonprofit solution to wellness. You have a true potential to live up to your healthy mind and healthy body, a happier, more successful existence. We work with individuals and employers to do just that. EncompassPurpose.com, 573-286-5625. And also make sure to tune in to our radio program right here on 89.3 The Key. Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3 The Key. 838, welcome back. Hope you had a great weekend. What a... Great weekend for folks to not only come down and visit us here at the lake, but uh, for folks who live here to get out and enjoy the lake. It looks like uh, the lake was hopping this weekend. Lots of folks out there, lots of different things going on. I will just say I saw some, you know, a lot of these businesses, they have uh, like a brunch. And I would uh, would love to be able to attend the brunch, and I hope some of these businesses had uh, enough people come out based on some of the prices I saw. Wow. Amazing. But uh, we had kind of a, a quiet day yesterday, ventured out, did a few things, kind of hung out. Uh, of course, the Easter egg hunt that they had on uh, Saturday out there at the Max Creek Community Park, one of many that was held throughout the lake area. 52 degrees now in Osage Beach, uh, looking for a high of 73, a mix of clouds and sun, maybe a stray shower or a thunderstorm is possible. And then partly cloudy, a low tonight of around 50, back up to 77 tomorrow. 78 and sunny on Wednesday, mostly sunny and 78 on Thursday, mostly sunny and 78 on Friday. A little cooler for the weekend, some clouds and 69 on Saturday, partly cloudy and 60 on Sunday. And on Sunday, April the 16th, we will resume... 
Sing Your Heart Out at Captain Ron's Bar and Grill. We've had a lot of fun with that. Myself, DJ Kyle, all of our uh, singers that show up, and a lot of other folks that uh, make the journey over to Captain Ron's to enjoy the evening with some great food and drink and just uh, a lot of fun. We'll have uh, this event going on well through uh, April into May with the finals on uh, May 21st. We'll bring back all of our weekly winners and get an opportunity to, uh, guess what? Get the winner who is going to uh, walk away with $1,000 in cash and prizes. 840. So what about the good old days of paper ballots and replacing voting machines with hand-counted paper ballots? And here's how one person made it happen and how you can do the same thing in your state, it says. This is from 100percentfedup.com. And this is a Missouri county that they're actually talking about. Uh, an article that came out last week, April the 6th, Liz, uh, Linda Rance, is proof that one person can and does make a difference. In 2021, Rance moved with her husband from a solidly blue state to Missouri. The couple immediately became involved, volunteering in their new state hoping to find a way to fix our broken elections after the 2020 election. Where again, so many people say there was nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, no improprieties, no anomalies, no issues. But then on January 6th, and this kind of leads into what we'll be talking about with our guest, Chris Bergard, in the 9 o'clock hour, a lot of people showed up in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. And uh, again, based on what you saw from the media, and when I say the media, talking about uh, you know NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, CNN, Headline News, a lot of these organizations, you would have thought they were just a bunch of crazy people that had an axe to grind. Well, they did have an axe to grind. However, they weren't a bunch of crazy people. They were a lot of concerned citizens. And as is the case, when concerned citizens do something that the government doesn't like, the government seemingly turns on those concerned citizens. And we'll find out more uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. Back to the article here. After spending a great deal of time canvassing in her state, we're talking about Linda Rance. The passionate activist and Osage County resident quickly began working to build relationships with the local clerks in her state. Hmm. She said, I kept hearing Mike Lindell saying, we got to get rid of the machines. we got to get rid of the machines, Linda said, as she explained that she was all for getting rid of the machines, but wondered, replace it with what? Rance became determined to find a solution to the problem of replacing the voting machines. She began delving into election law and discovered a statute in Missouri election law that states individual counties have the right to make their own decisions about how they tally votes. She and her husband traveled to Louisiana after hearing about an effective system they created for hand-counting votes. They were so impressed with what they witnessed in Louisiana that she brought the details about the program to the clerk in Osage County who agreed to replace the voting machines with hand-counting, uh, hand the hand-counting system. On April 4, 2023, in Osage County, Missouri, residents were introduced to the new hand-count system in a statewide election. Instead of watching their ballots being inserted into a machine that many voters distrust, they instead drop their ballots into a secure ballot box 
and trusted the teams of Democrats and Republicans who volunteered to count their ballots in the open at the same facility where they voted. After doing some digging, Linda discovered that Osage wasn't the first county in Missouri to implement a hand count for elections. According to Rance, a clerk in Worth County, Missouri, has been utilizing a hand count system in her small county for the past 10 years. The Worth County clerk explained to Rance that the citizens in her district hated the antiquated machines they were using to vote and wanted to get rid of them, and that's when she decided to move to a hand count. Missouri isn't the only state taking action to get rid of voting machines in their state. In addition to Louisiana, a quorum in Claiborne County, Arkansas, I'm I'm sorry, I think this is Alaska, also made the decision to return to the old-fashioned way of counting ballots after it was determined that voters no longer trust the voting machines that tally their votes. It was Arkansas, actually, I'm sorry. Officials with the Arkansas Voter Integrity Initiative, Incorporated, said the vote was in response to AVII CEO Colonel Conrad Reynolds' push for election computers to be removed from Arkansas elections. The machines do not read the names on the ballots. Instead, they scan barcodes, which humans cannot read, Reynolds said. They also utilize proprietary software that we are not allowed to examine. This all means voters cannot verify that their vote is being counted properly as mandated by state law. Goes on here to say that last week the Gateway Pundit reported that in January the county supervisors in Shasta County, California also voted to get rid of Dominion voting systems in their elections. Their vote went uh, or sent shockwaves rather through the state. Mike Lindell has been passionately imploring states to ditch the easily hacked voting machines and return to the process of hand-counting paper ballots ever since the stunning upset of the 2020 election that handed the presidency over to an unpopular and mostly incoherent lifetime politician who campaigned from his basement. In an age of technology that's moving at warp speed, Americans have been duped into believing that the only way to count ballots in an election is with a machine, it's simply not true. While there is no perfect way to count ballots, at least the hand-counting system is one that is out in the open, and if there's an issue, at least clerks won't be, or won't have, rather, a voting machine manufacturer tell them they can't examine the machines because they contain proprietary information. Even Democrats admitted after Trump lost that voting machines were not secure. On January 9, 2020, top executives from Dominion Voting Systems, Heart InterCivic and Election Systems, and Software all testified before Congress when asked by the ranking member of the House Administration Committee, Representative Rodney Davis, if voting machines were 100% secure, they all said no. In 2017, fresh off the 2016 election, where President Trump trounced Hillary Clinton, University of Michigan professor J. Alex Halderman demonstrated how easy it is to steal an election with easily hackable voting machines. Linda Rance was a guest on Mike Lindell's uh, TV show where she explained how Osage County is now hand-counting their ballots. So there is a way to do this by hand. And last month, Mike Lindell interviewed Rance about the You have the best hand-counting system of all time, Mike said. You don't need anyone to tell you if you can hand-counts, correct?
She explained how they don't need any approval to hand count paper ballots as it is a county-by-county decision. And Mike called on Missouri citizens to call on their Secretary of State, Jay Ashcroft, to demand paper counts in every county in future elections. So I guess there are obviously some things that we need to look at here, one of which is the argument that obviously will be made that, uh, oh, we can't do it that way. It just takes too much time. You know, we have more people in our in our county now, and uh, we don't have uh, time to do uh, a hand count or hand counts of votes. Uh, I don't know if there would be a financial issue or not. It would seem to me that uh, it might even be cheaper to alleviate some of these voting machines and bring in people, actual people, to count the votes, no matter what the election may be. So how do you feel about people versus machines when it comes to a process that we hold so near and dear and uh, certainly a process where we encourage people to get out and vote. And some people will say, you can sit there till you're blue in the face. People who are going to vote, vote. People who don't, don't. Sure, it makes sense. But in an election where the results are obviously important to everyone, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or considering certain ballot issues, Trying to do this as above the table as possible, I would, I would think most people would consider that to be important. Five seven three six three three fifty three ninety five. I believe there was someone here locally that's been kind of pursuing that same uh, avenue, trying to get us to replace the machines with people that actually do hand counts. And I wonder if that's not a topic that has been discussed on the local level by county officials. I'm sure it has. But it would be interesting to talk to um, a local representative on this and see what kind of headway they're making, what kind of uh, walls they're running into, if indeed those walls do exist. But I would think at this point, you probably have got uh, a pretty good argument for getting rid of the machines. And when you've got, you know, folks, it's interesting how this all works when it comes right down to it. So you've got somebody who is essentially uh, what the college professor and says, well, these things are easy to hack, and I can show you. I can show you exactly how to hack them. And they've got the... uh, picture of this uh, University of Michigan professor, J. Alex Halderman, demonstrating how easy it is to steal an election with easily hackable voting machines. Essentially, folks, these are computers like anything else. And how many times has your Facebook account been hacked? I see it all the time. It's probably happened to you. I know it's happened to me. And we all think that when people create certain conveniences that they do it out of a need to make our lives easier. 
and to sell their products. They say, well, you know, this is just going to make the voting process a lot easier. Let's just use, um, <laughs> let's just use TVs. TVs keep getting easier and easier for us to use, right? You can uh, sit there and flip the channel with your remote. You don't have to move. You can spend the entire day in one spot unless you need to get up and use the bathroom or get something to eat or drink. You basically don't have to move. Your TV lets you know when it's about to shut off. It uh, lets you know when uh, you know the programming has run for a certain amount of time and you still want to watch this, and there's a button you can push to continue to watch the programming or change the channel or do whatever you want to do. Uh, TVs are now uh, set up to deal with voice commands. You can tell the TV what you want to watch. Heck, every night I turn my TV off by pushing a little button and say, saying TV off. And the little voice comes over and says, okay. And then the TV goes off. But somehow, somewhere, some way, there's got to be somebody out there that thought, man, this would be great. We'll market it as a convenience feature. And then, of course, let the truth be told. And it has been told. But yet so many people deny what it is that we're hearing from people. You know, and again, you've got a university professor. I would consider this man to be somewhat educated, right? Wouldn't you? He's a professor. <laughs> or maybe I'm taking it for granted, right? But we'll, uh, I guess, have to find out uh, just exactly what's going on in our county. So many things going on in our county to move move us forward. And I wonder if we haven't discussed uh, voting machines here in Camden County. Another story I saw this morning, Western sanctions and the war in Ukraine creating a new world order. And China is leading the parade. Uh, we've heard recently, of course, about what China is doing around Taiwan. But when Russia launched its special military operation in, UK, in uh, Ukraine rather in February 2022, no one imagined that this war would ignite a global fire that is destroying the U.S.-led international order that has ruled the world since the end of World War II. I know I did not understand that uh, the very uh, foundations of U.S. international economic and foreign policy would be crumbling so rapidly and so pervasively. Four of the top six countries in terms of wealth from natural resources are now uniting against the United States as a consequence of the war in Ukraine. So number six on the list, China is a big factor on the global stage, and it ain't going away. This article, by the way, from thegatewaypundit.com. Let's start with China. China keenly watched the Western-led effort to destroy the Russian economy with sanctions to erase Russian culture and influence from the world stage and replace the government of Vladimir Putin and realized that it was next on the chopping block. It did not help matters that anti-Chinese rhetoric in the United States reached unprecedented levels of, uh, of this with uh, China being routinely described as an enemy of the United States by prominent politicians from both parties. However, what do we do when we go to the store? We continue to support the cause by buying all of these products that are made in China. 
China's expectations that the United States would honor the one China policy negotiated with Richard Nixon in 1972 were obliterated as Washington went out of its way to uh, get Taiwan and work with Taiwan, considering them an independent nation. It was not just idle talk. In 2022, then-Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi led a delegation to Taiwan over China's strenuous objections, only to be followed a year later by the current Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, welcoming Taiwan's current president to the United States. That insult was preceded by the U.S. shooting down a Chinese balloon, which China insisted was a weather platform, while Washington claimed it was spying. All of this had uh, had a cumulative effect and is producing a sea change in U.S.-Chinese relations that is altering the economic, diplomatic, and military status quo. To put it simply, this is like the iconic scene in the movie Network. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore is the line that I think a lot of people can uh, remember from that movie. The Chinese in this case are mad as hell and aren't going to take it anymore. On the economic front, the Chinese, who control 98% of the world's production of rare earths, is reportedly planning to ban the export of rare earth magnet technology to the United States for national security reasons, according to an article in Japan's uh, Yomuri Shimbun. Those uh, rare earth minerals are essential to the production of electric vehicles and a bevy of advanced U.S. military weapons and aircraft. On the military front, China decided to flex its maritime muscles surrounding a Taiwan with a fleet that included nine destroyers and one naval aircraft carrier and carried out simulated missile strikes on Taiwan. China also is making historic and substantive moves on the diplomatic scene. In early March, Beijing brokered a reapproachment between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Nobel Prize, perhaps? The Iranians and Saudis met in Beijing on 6 April to seal the deal. And, of course, you heard about that when we were talking to Sam Trapp about this uh, BRICS group. And even Mexico had uh, considered trying to join BRICS, or there was talk of it anyway. They, They haven't officially made the decision. Well, I guess the BRICS group would have to decide whether or not Mexico is worthy, and it looks like there are some roadblocks in the way for the Mexicans or the Mexican government to join BRICS, which would certainly throw things out of whack. But more things to consider and keep in mind, folks, and again, as we were talking about a lot of these uh, local uh, events and what's going on throughout our nation... Are we paying close attention to exactly what has happened and what is continuing to happen on the world stage with Ukraine, Russia, China, some of these other countries that support especially China and Russia now, and uh, what the Chinese are doing? I guess you need to pay attention because uh, snap goes your fingers and uh, the next thing you know, Life as we know it uh, changes dramatically as the Chinese try to uh, get more and more allies, certainly anything between Saudi Arabia and Iran, and a done deal. 
8.59. We will take our top-of-the-hour break. And following that break, we hope to have Chris Bergard with us, the director of the documentary Capital Punishment. All about January 6th, 2020, in our, our 2021, rather, in our nation's capital. And what went down on that day and what continues to develop as a result of it. It is straight up 9 o'clock on the Midwest Coast, and you are listening to The Daily Show on Key Radio. This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Monday, April 10th. The Camden County Commission says they don't trust the ATF. The commission sent a letter to the Bureau last week in response to the ATF's request for information about some local firearms dealers. That information was publicly available, the commissioners say, and they said the county's Second Amendment Protection Act prevents them from cooperating. At a press conference Friday, all three commissioners said they're worried the agency has been weaponized against small firearms businesses. Lots more to this one and video from the press conference at lakeexpo.com. The Miller County Sheriff's Office has received a grant to improve the county jail. Thanks to a grant for nearly $350,000, the county intends to use the grant money to update the electronic infrastructure of the jail, which is now 25 years old. The grant will also provide officer body cameras and a body scanner so hidden contraband could be found when suspects are brought into the jail. It's springtime, and with warmer weather comes the Kids Harbor Go Blues Barbecue Bash. It's Kids Harbor's largest fundraising event, and there will be live music by the lake's own iBerries, plus barbecues served up by our local community. The bash is Saturday, April 29th, and runs from 1 in the afternoon until 5 in the afternoon at high tide in Osage Beach. That's right next to Redhead's Lakeside Grill. Sponsorships are available, and there's still time to enter your skills in the barbecue competition, too. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by Adair's Wildlife Removal Service, offering affordable solutions for all of your residential and commercial nuisance animal problems. Adair's keeps the wildlife where it belongs, in the wild. Serving Camden, Miller, and Morgan Counties. Online at adairs-animals.com or call 573-378-8739. This is Bill Munhausen with another Key Opinion. In this case, it's our first-ever guest opinion by Jim Brodigan, who submitted this for our Ozarks Voices program. Jim did such a nice job, I wanted him to exemplify what I'd like to hear from listeners. He recorded directly to his phone. A perfectionist might say he could use a pop filter to make a better recording, but it's very listenable. Just as importantly, he expresses good ideas. My mom came to America through Ellis Island, and things turned out just fine. Here's Jim. This country needs a new Ellis Island. Let's put it on the southern border in Texas. 
All immigrants seeking to work in America could come through there, be processed, and sent out with permission to work and pay taxes all within a few hours. Did you know that the original Ellis Island immigrants were not given citizenship when they passed through Ellis Island? They were only given permission to work and sent off into the country in order to do so. Today's immigrants could be checked for criminal records, health problems, and ability to earn a living, and then be sent on their way with the possibility of U.S. citizenship at a later date. Haven't we all been aware of the lack of workers in stores, restaurants, and the trades? Business owners decry the lack of help, saying, no one wants to work anymore. Well, immigrants want to work, and they have the ability to develop skills needed to be productive citizens. Immigrant workers should be a win-win and a win, not only for the employer and the worker, but for the consumer, who needs the goods and services that immigrants can provide. Sure, there will be those that try to game the system. A new Ellis Island immigration scheme would need to include concerns for abuse of welfare programs, such as unemployment insurance, disability, and health care. We have plenty of U.S.-born citizens abusing the system already. We don't need more. Funneling immigrants through one legal porter on the border would free up our Border Patrol to go after the criminal element that smuggled dangerous goods, such as fentanyl, across the border. If they are crossing the border without passing through the new Ellis Island, they are probably up to no good and are obvious targets for enforcement by the Border Patrol. Employers need the workers. Consumers need the goods and services. The Border Patrol needs the opportunity to focus on serious criminals. And America needs a new Ellis Island. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now has kind of taken advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what, what were the events, what are the things behind the scenes here, what, what led to this. Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why it well it's because the news told us join professor jim paisley thursdays and saturdays at 6 a.m 2 p.m and 10 p.m for the true history professor program on 89.3 the key
If you'd like to become a content provider, simply contact the Lakes Community Radio Station at 89.3. The Key. The key. It is 9.07, and we welcome you back to the second hour of the Monday edition of The Daily Show on Key Radio on this 10th day of April, 2023. It is a beautiful day, a marvelous day, coming off a great weekend, and I hope you got to enjoy the weekend with family and friends and uh, spent uh, the weekend doing whatever it is that you had planned. 73, uh, mostly cloudy sky early, then partly cloudy this afternoon, a stray shower or thunderstorm possible, 50, and partly cloudy tonight. We are at 54 degrees now in Osage Beach, sunny and 77 tomorrow, sunny and 78 on Wednesday, 78 with sunshine on Thursday, 78 and sunshine on Friday, a little cooler over the weekend, partly cloudy and 69 on Saturday, partly cloudy and 60 on Sunday. 908 is our time, and I'm going to get him on here right away so we can start the discussion. And uh, this is our guest. His name is Chris Bergard, and he is the director of the documentary Capital Punishment, and he joins us this morning on The Daily Show. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, sir. It is a genuine pleasure. I know you're probably up a, a little earlier than you'd like to be, considering that uh, you're working on uh, uh, shooting another documentary, I would believe. But uh, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Well, it's it's an honor to be had, so I appreciate that. But uh, as far as getting up, I'm on a ranch in Texas. We've we've been up for several hours. Oh well, good. You're you're we're in the same time zone. <laughs> That's uh, do you do you live in Texas? No, we live to the north of you in Missouri. I'm sorry. That's all right. I wish everybody could be a Texan. Well, I tell you what, um, it's a beautiful state. I've been there several times and uh, have enjoyed my visits. And I've met a lot of very uh, nice, friendly people who are, uh, uh, I think Missourians and Texans uh, are like-minded on a lot of different issues. And I know that... Yeah, you're, you're, you're 100% right. Sorry to interrupt you. I was just teasing you about wanting you to be a Texan. But <laughs> my family, I actually have family comes from Missouri. It goes way back to Chillicothe. Independence, um, Missouri is, it's the show me state and it, it's bedrock people. It's Missouri's amazing. Well, and, and kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting situation. I, I was talking about a story prior to our interview here this morning about Missouri, uh, at least one County, possibly two that we know of in our state that has gone back to hand counts on votes. Uh, they, they, they're doing away with these, uh, voting machines that, uh, the companies that manufacture them have said, guess what? Those things don't always work the way they're supposed to work. And they even had a video that they showed of a college professor at the University of Michigan showing how you can easily hack one of these things. So we know that um, a large part of what happened uh, during the presidential election, the last presidential election, uh, is what led up to the documentary that you have made. And uh, certainly in recent uh, weeks, we've, uh, we've seen some video that's been released on the, uh, on the national level uh, as to some things that, that really happened. And so I think maybe you could probably uh, uh, tell folks that, that you already knew about most of what was going on, what we're seeing uh, 
on the on the national level in this day and age because you were there and and you filmed a lot of this and you took the opportunity to make it into a documentary and it seems as though a lot of people tried to uh, sweep the whole thing as far as why people were there why people were upset under the rug and we've seen and heard plenty of stories about people doing jail time, people being fined, and people even being thrown in prison that are still there to this day. And uh, most folks would say there's no other way to describe it other than to say these people are political prisoners. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. But uh, the people on the other side would say, well, you know, these people showed up at the Capitol building. They wreaked havoc. They deserve what they get. And that isn't necessarily the case. And I, I've watched some of the documentary, and I've seen when you take the camera off of the Capitol building and, and do a 180 with it, you can see all the people that were there on that day that were upset about the outcome of the election and that, indeed, a large number of these people thought that there was voter fraud. And I don't think you can debate, really, uh, maybe you can, and I'm sure people will continue to do so, debate the fact that the United States government does not at all allow its citizens <clears throat> to uh, express their ire with the government when things don't go their way. So let's let's jump into this and, and talk about the actual documentary itself, Capital Punishment, which is uh, available for people to see. They can uh, Google it. They can look it up online and, and watch the documentary. Uh, let's... Let's talk about how this this whole thing kind of came together and the inspiration behind it. What was what was your take on all of this and then how did you put it in documentary mode? Um excellent points you you, you brought up here. So I did not intend on making a film about January 6th that day, but if you google me and you see my career, um God's put me in interesting places at interesting times in history. Um, I had been in Central America when they attempted a color revolution down there in Honduras. So that day on January 6th, um, I was looking through things through a different prism than most people do. And so many things about that day were just off. And that night when we got back and we saw the news and we saw how they were showing and how they're painting that that the whole event, um, it was extremely disturbing. My buddy Nick Searcy was there. Nick and I have done several movies and TV shows together. Um, we were two of the most outspoken uh, patriots in, in Hollywood. We've since left Hollywood. You may know Nick Searcy. Uh, he was in Justified, um, The Color of Water, Earth and Moon, Fried Green Tomatoes. And um, it's not easy being a conservative and a Christian in, in Hollywood. In sure. fact, it, it, it it's hard to make a living there. Anyway, when we were walking back from the president speaking that day, first of all, you can always tell when there's an operation going on. If you see capital punishment, um, you'll see retired generals, you'll see three-letter um, intelligence officers, you'll see law enforcement people explain to you how it was a setup. They'll explain to you how it was a captured operation that was years in the making. And big doors open and close on small hinges and one of the biggest one of, one of the most important hinges is january 6 because when you realize the extent they went to to deceive the american people 
and to steal the election, everything falls apart. And what we do in capital punishment um, is we, we, we take you there that day. You see it. And then you see what our government has been doing to people since then, which is it, it's third world. It's the stuff I saw in Central America that's actually happening here. And using the justice system and using law enforcement to persecute your political opposition and to silence them. Now, if you know history, it's, we've seen this before. We saw it in Nazi Germany. We saw it with Mao. We saw it with Stalin. If you read Clovert and Pliven, if you know, uh, if you know um, uh, Bill Ayers, Rules for Radicals, they, they, everything they laid out as a template for how to, to uh, redo the state um, is, is, is what we're seeing playing out right now. And when I was walking back, first of all, you said something earlier about the crowds of people and the, and the camera does a 180. You have to start asking yourself questions. Why do the mainstream media never show you crowd shots of upwards of 2 million peaceful people mm-hmm. praying, singing, singing the national anthem? Right there, that should be a tell. And if you do see footage from earlier in the day, from the president's speech to the to the millions of people around the Washington Monument, nobody's wearing masks. And the people that did have masks, they had them around under their chins because that day you couldn't buy food or go into a convenience store unless you had a mask on. But at the rally, MAGA people just weren't wearing their masks. But if you look at the footage of, of breaking into the Capitol, it's amazing how some of the most violent people that were breaking into the Capitol all had masks. <laughs> so... Little things start, start, and America knows these things without even being there. They can just start to feel something's not right. So we're walking back from the president's speech, which went long. He started, he was an hour late, and then he went long, and then he started repeating his speech, and it was very cold that day. It was interesting why, why that happened. Now, in, high, in retrospect, if the president would have been on time, when the initial breach happened, you would have had upwards of 2 million people at the Capitol. But because... He delayed so long while the breach was actually happening, almost all the Trump supporters were still either back at the speech or they were you know, just starting to walk to the Capitol. So there's, there's a timeline thing that you have to take a look at and say, wow, this just doesn't fit. So while we're walking back to the Capitol from the speech, uh, I'm looking around and it was so crowded and it was, it was, it was it was so crowded at, at near the event. The people couldn't get in to see the, the, President's speech, they were outside the gates watching and monitors. It was literally so crowded. If I didn't have my camera up above my head, I couldn't film because your arms were pinned in by the press of people. And I've been going to, to rallies like this for 18 years in D.C. This is by far the biggest one I've ever seen, it's by far the most crowded. I've never had that problem getting my arms up. And as we're walking down the street, I'm looking at all these images of people singing and families and so many, so much diversity. There were, there were, you know, Asian people, black people, Hispanic people, and people proud to be that. You know, Hispanics for Trump, um, Chinese for Trump, and there's a lot of Chinese people warning that day in groups that had come from all over the country, saying, "Look, they're stealing your election. We left China. This is what they do. Be careful. Be careful." And I'm looking at all this, and there's no news cameras. Where's Fox? Where's CNN? Where's MSNBC? And I looked to my wife and I said, honey, I got a bad feeling. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, she was a lovely day. I said, yeah, but where's the news cameras? Why aren't they covering all this? This tells me that 
someone wants to run with an agenda that isn't isn't this. It's not this peaceful stuff that all the cameras either they're not covering events or all the all the news folks are back at the Capitol in front of us, and the, the, the images that they want to push, I don't think are going to tell the narrative of what's happening here. Just as I said that, my buddy Nick Searcy calls me. He's ahead of us at the Capitol. And he said, I just watched the police move the bike barricades, and they're, they're letting people into the Capitol building. And I just had a big pit at the bottom of my stomach because it took me back to, the, to, to Honduras when they rushed the airport and they, they, they shot a kid. And I said, honey, I got, I got a bad feeling someone's going to die today. And about two hours later, Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Mm-hmm. So we were just going to keep that all to ourselves. When we got home, we had to get home because of the, the uh, after the after the rally was up. I mean, it was just I can't I can't explain to people the rush and the energy of what was coming towards the Capitol building because people were happy. They didn't know they were just so happy. So all the things that happened before the crowds got there, the moving of the restricted police tape, the moving of the barricades, people didn't know. So as far as people knew, walking up to the Capitol building. You could rock, rock right up to the building, and when the police open the door, it's like, oh, I guess we can go in and visit. Hmm. And you'll see in Capital Punishment, we had two twin 74-year-old grandmothers that they were invited in by the Capitol Police. They said they could go in there. And they'll go in there, and they walk around. And next thing you know, they get home, and they're being investigated by the FBI, being turned in by their neighbors. Wow. So it's it, – it, and, and here's, here's the stuff that, that really – should set people off. Um, I come from a law enforcement family. My father was a veteran. He's law enforcement. He actually graduated from the FBI's academy in Quantico, Virginia, 109th session. Um, we saw people uh, that were trying to get us, I filmed them, trying to get us to attack the Capitol Police. And by their language, uh, by their, their movements, by the way, they, you could just tell they weren't, they weren't conservatives, they weren't Christians, they weren't MAGA people. And we called them out. And when we called them out on it, they talk off in a heartbeat. And looking back over the footage, you could see it wasn't just the people that had changed into MAGA clothes, but they had like a quarterback with a headset with them that was, that was following them. And if you've been to many of these protests and rallies, when Antifa and other anarchist groups put these, when they do operations, they put people together in cells, and they'll have like five, six people to a squad, and they'll be the agitators, they'll be one in front scouting out, and then there's like a quarterback on the radio telling everybody else what to do, and that's exactly what we captured on film. And these same people that, that we filmed trying to get us to attack the police, um, I got, when I started making the movie, a friend of mine gave me a clip of the exact same people about two, three minutes before in the trees right next to us, and they were changing from black block Antifa clothes into pro-Trump clothes. So that day, and, and being with my relationship with the FBI, when we ran into FBI troops on the ground at the Capitol, I was, I was walked up to them and said, hey, there's bad guys here. Would you like to know who they are? And they're like, no, we're good. And I'm like, well, look, they just tried to get my wife, my daughter, and I to attack the Capitol Police. Would you like to take a report? No, we're good. And at the time, I just thought, well, I guess they must have the whole thing in hand. They're not too worried about it. But then a few weeks later, when you see Christopher Wray, um, the head of arguably the most powerful law enforcement agency on the planet, sit before Congress and say that he saw no evidence that day of any BLM or anarchist activity at all on January 6th, that this was an organic you know, conservative resurrection, insurrection, you just have to stop and go, wait a minute. We saw them. We filmed them. 
John Sullivan, a BLM leader from Utah, filmed himself in the Capitol bragging about how they set it up. So how is the disconnect between the reality of what really happened that day and what Director Ray says um, to Congress? How do you put those two together? You know, either he's the most... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there, there are a number of things that you have stated, and the most recent being how you and... Uh, your family and people around you noticed how these people were changing clothes and that you had approached the FBI and had uh, tried to implore them to take some sort of a uh, a report on this. And I wonder if that wasn't the case with other people, like-minded people like yourself that saw this going on and, you know, wanted to report it, wanted to let people know what was going on, that indeed, and and we've seen it, and of course we we know that it took place not too far from where I grew up uh, in Ferguson, Missouri. I grew up in Florissant, and when the the whole Michael Brown situation went down and how the city of Ferguson was basically just burned to the ground and in all of the vandalism and arson that took place. We know that a lot of people were brought in, and we know that a lot of opportunists showed up as well. And so they had to know that something like this would very easily take place, that there would be instigators that would be there in order to do one thing, and that is to make the people who turned out to just voice their opinions and, and, and voice their distrust and their ire with the government, they had to know that there would be people there that would try to stir the pot and and, and get something all ramped up and get the people all ramped up. And then you talk about things like uh, the crowd that we never really got a good look at when this was going on on January the 6th. Normally, you've got all kinds of news choppers in the air that are showing you, here's the crowd from the Capitol building all the way down the street, all the way around the Capitol building, here, there. Every, you see it all the time. You saw it when they uh, they went after the White House, when they had all the protesters in front of the White House that were doing a lot more, a lot more, than what these uh, protesters who showed up on January the 6th were doing. I mean, they were lobbing things at police. They had to take the president and put him in a secure facility. Uh, you know, all of the uh, representatives and senators were, were running or are being moved to a, a safe place. But uh, as you mentioned, Chris, it had to be obvious to most people that were there what was going on, that there would be people whose job it was to... Uh, to get people fired up, because essentially, I would imagine that's that's all it would take. And then one person sees somebody else doing it, or or maybe I'm misjudging people and putting people, you know, putting words in people's mouths. Because maybe certain people would see something like that happening, and rather than wanting to be a part of it, knowing full well what what could happen, uh, they they remove themselves from the situation. You were there; you saw what was going on. Tell me what happened. Yeah, some people actually did do that, and um, I have to tell you, you know, you said, you know, other people went to the FBI like I did. I can attest your your instincts are spot on. There's a fellow in in in, in capital punishment, the film that we made, uh, capital punishment. Everything they told you is a lie. Um, Rich Gutowski. Rich 
ran into, remember Ray Epps? We can talk about him a little later, but people mm-hmm. may know Ray Epps and that he was kind of a commander. He was pushing people to do things. Well, there are many, there were many Ray Epps there that day. Rich ran into one. And when he went to go take a, a some footage of him, what he was doing, uh, the gentleman grabbed his wrist in a very professional way. And that Rich dropped his cell phone and couldn't use his hand for a couple of minutes. Um, very professional guy, very military. And this guy gets back on his headset after he drops the, gets Rich to drop the phone, and he's talking to people in the Capitol building. He goes, where are you? No, what do you see? You, tr- you were supposed to know this. Where are you? What do you see to your left? Great. Go down a few more doors, uh, right, and then left. You'll be right there. I mean, this is Rick's hearing. Rich is hearing all this. So he goes to the FBI and tries to tell them what he's got. He, and he says, I can describe this guy. We can find him in the, in the, in the uh, security footage. He's a bad guy. He, we can, he's one of the guys that was orchestrating this. And what happens? The FBI goes after Rich. And then can inconveniently, after Rich is, is, goes back for a second FBI meeting, the IRS comes after him, and he loses his business, and he loses his house. And now he's no longer in business, and he moved to Texas. Um, these stories happen all over. Some of the same people that are in prison right now are people that went to the FBI, went to law enforcement trying to help, thinking they were the good guys. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it certainly does make people wonder and, and act very suspiciously. And, and again, so often, that's the case. We, the people that are at home viewing this on television, we don't get to... Uh, see what's really going on it's very controlled it's very contained and certainly there are things that uh, that happen that we will never know about fortunately you were there and others were there and they were documenting it when you talk about some of the people chris that were arrested and in your documentary they actually show uh these groups like the fbi i would imagine in uh, their military assault vehicles with their uh, uh i'll say military vehicles rather than use assault vehicles but um you know they were rolling down the streets coming to these people's homes knocking on their doors i don't know if they were knocking the doors down or just exactly how this was handled but these this was a situation that you would almost uh, think of when you remember what happened uh, not too far from where you are in Waco, Texas, when the ATF showed up there and things uh, got hostile. So the ATF proceeded in, and we know what happened to uh, David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. But uh, certainly this is a situation that you don't often see where you've got maybe the FBI or law enforcement rolling down the streets in their mil- military-style vehicles with their, uh, you know, their riot gear on and the like. And you had to think, I mean, if these people were just attending um, a protest and were just voicing their opinions, why in the world would you need the FBI to come in like, uh, you know, they're, they're storming a, a building or going in to really apprehend someone that uh, uh, we would consider to be dangerous? I, I do need to ask you, well, a quick, I, I, I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you there because we've got to take a quick bottom-of-the-hour break, and we'll come back and talk some more with you. If you want to get a cup of coffee or take a breather, we'll allow you to do that and come back and uh, talk some more with Chris Brigard. He is the director of the documentary Capital Punishment, and we're learning a lot about what actually happened on January 6th, 2021 that you don't know about, and we'll talk some more with Chris on the other side of the break here on The Daily Show on Key Radio. 
I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Monday, April 10th. The Camden County Commission says they don't trust the ATF. The Commission sent a letter to the Bureau last week in response to the ATF's request for information about some local firearms dealers. That information was publicly available, the commissioners say, and they said the county's Second Amendment Protection Act prevents them from cooperating. At a press conference Friday, all three commissioners said they're worried the agency has been weaponized against small firearms businesses. Lots more to this one and video from the press conference at lakeexpo.com. The Miller County Sheriff's Office has received a grant to improve the county jail. Thanks to a grant for nearly $350,000, the county intends to use the grant money to update the electronic infrastructure of the jail, which is now 25 years old. The grant will also provide officer body cameras and a body scanner so hidden contraband can be found when suspects are brought into the jail. It's springtime, and with warmer weather comes the Kids Harbor Go Blues Barbecue Bash. It's Kids Harbor's largest fundraising event, and there will be live music by the lake's own iBerries, plus barbecues served up by our local community. The bash is Saturday, April 29th, and runs from 1 in the afternoon until 5 in the afternoon at high tide in Osage Beach. That's right next to Redhead's Lakeside Grill. Sponsorships are available, and there's still time to enter your skills in the barbecue competition, too. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. This is Bill Munhausen with another Key Opinion. In this case, it's our first ever guest opinion by Jim Brodigan, who submitted this for our Ozarks Voices program. Jim did such a nice job, I wanted him to exemplify what I'd like to hear from listeners. He recorded directly to his phone. A perfectionist might say he could use a pop filter to make a better recording, but it's very listenable. Just as importantly, he expresses good ideas. My mom came to America through Ellis Island, and things turned out just fine. Here's Jim. This country needs a new Ellis Island. Let's put it on the southern border in Texas. All immigrants seeking to work in America could come through there, be processed, and sent out with permission to work and pay taxes all within a few hours. Did you know that the original Ellis Island immigrants were not given citizenship when they passed through Ellis Island? They were only given permission to work and sent off into the country in order to do so. Today's immigrants could be checked for criminal records, health problems, and ability to earn a living, and then be sent on their way with the possibility of U.S. citizenship at a later date. Haven't we all been aware of the lack of workers in stores, restaurants, and the trades? Business owners decry the lack of help, saying, no one wants to work anymore. Well, immigrants want to work, and they have the ability to develop skills needed to be productive citizens. Immigrant workers should be a win-win and a win, not only for the employer and the worker, but for the consumer 
who needs the goods and services that immigrants can't provide. Sure, there will be those that try to game the system. A new Ellis Island immigration scheme would need to include concerns for abuse of welfare programs, such as unemployment insurance, disability, and health care. We have plenty of U.S.-born citizens abusing the system already. We don't need more. Funneling immigrants through one legal porter on the border would free up our Border Patrol to go after the criminal element that smuggled dangerous goods such as fentanyl across the border. If they are crossing the border without passing through the new Ellis Island, they are probably up to no good and are obvious targets for enforcement by the Border Patrol. Employers need the workers. Consumers need the goods and services. The Border Patrol needs the opportunity to focus on serious criminals and America needs a new Ellis Island. A portion of the programming on Key Radio is brought to you by our media partners at Lake TV. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, Lake TV's got it all, including five local talk shows to keep you informed and entertained. You can also see local high school football in the fall and basketball in the winter. Watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90 or absolutely free on Roku or Amazon Fire and always streaming live at MyLakeTV.com. And if you haven't liked Lake TV on Facebook, be sure you do that too. Key Radio keeps you in the know as we make improvements to better serve you. Because many of you listen online, we've re-engineered our website. You get there on the web at keyradio.live or through our iPhone and Android apps. Key Radio, K-E-Y-K. From the app, click the WWW Globe symbol to see our full site. There you can listen to live radio or call KB during the daily show or see our schedule. And don't forget that beautiful donate button. Then there are menus. Click News Weather to get your daily dose of what's happening. You can also drill down in the Key Radio link to learn all about your favorite shows, make a donation, or sponsor a show. You can also read Bill's blog and follow the social media links and notice how we highlight our sponsors on each page. It's all at your fingertips, whether you have a laptop, tablet, or smartphone. It's all part of how Key Radio KEYK staff wants to serve you. Do you or a family member or maybe an employee need help? Encompass Purpose is here for you. Encompass Purpose is a nonprofit solution to wellness. You have a true potential to live up to your healthy mind and healthy body, a happier, more successful existence. We work with individuals and employers to do just that. EncompassPurpose.com, 573-286-5625. And also make sure to tune in to our radio program right here on 89.3 The Key. Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3 The Key. 38, we are talking with uh, Chris Bergard, who is the director of the documentary Capital Punishment. I appreciate him taking time to uh, join us here this morning. And, man, we've got so many different directions we can go with our conversation this morning, Chris. And uh, one of those directions was uh, something that you were talking about, and we'll, we'll, we'll refer to it before we let you go here at the top of the hour. And that's your... Uh, your most recent project or a project that you worked uh, alongside of Tom Horman with. And, of course, we've seen him uh, plenty uh, in, in, in talking about uh, what is going on along our southern border and the need to, uh, uh, the need to <laughs> do something 
other than just talk about it and and to make some things happen and uh, give those people down there whose job it is to uh, protect our border and certainly the states along the border uh some some teeth to to really get things done um we talked going into the break about what we saw and what we didn't see in terms of media coverage and then also talking about how some of these people uh were picked up and arrested and the methods used by groups like the fbi to uh, to come and get them and that certainly lends itself to how Certain folks are treated because, again, I go back to what happened during the summer of uh, of 2020 and, and how major cities were just, you know, vandalized and uh, all the acts of arson that were committed and BLM and Antifa just basically took control of these cities. I mean, we talk about what happened in Seattle where the, the folks basically went in and, uh, and took over a, a city block and probably more than that. And we probably don't even understand how all of that went. Maybe there's a, a documentary in there somewhere as well if it hasn't already been done and worked on and oh. people who were actually in the middle of all of this. Go right ahead. Well, let's address what you're saying. Um, you, you have so much information. It, it, we could do a whole show on every one of the points you bring up. But you were saying before about um, FBI breaching civilian homes um, and, yes, breaking indoors, throwing in flashbangs, flashbanging three, four, seven-year-old children that I know that still this day have nightmares, their PTSD out, dragging 12-year-old girls out in handcuffs, um, for what, because their father was at, at, at January 6th and didn't even go into the Capitol. We're seeing these over and over. It's not, and as you see in capital punishment, we have a professor from the Naval War College saying, these are the same shock and awe tactics that we used in Iraq and Afghanistan doing these pre-dawn raids. Um, and it makes you wonder when the president, you know, does his first rally for, 2024 elections and he does it in Waco, Texas. Now, is that a coincidence? I don't know, but it definitely sends a shot across the bow mm-hmm. of the federal law enforcement that's being weaponized against political opponents. Um, I have to tell you, you'll see in the first film, you'll see people like Dr. Simone Gold. Dr. Simone Gold, head of America's Frontline Doctors, for those of you who don't know, before the pandemic got really wired up, she took a bunch of doctors called America's Frontline Doctors in lab coats, sat on or stood on the steps of the Supreme Court building and said that COVID was treatable. They could handle this. We didn't need to panic. We didn't need to wear masks and go into lockdown and they could, they could treat people and you don't have to die from COVID. Well, she was supposed to do a speech on January 6th. And she got to the Capitol building, and the stage wasn't there, and she wasn't sure where to go. Then the crowd breaches the doors, so her and her communications director go inside with the rest of the people. Um, And she gives her speech from the floor of Statuary Hall, and she reads her speech. And the police ask her to leave. She leaves. Well, on January 7th, they come out with the most wanted, most dangerous 24, top 24 people of that day. And you saw there was, there was people out there pushing violence. There were bad people out there. And in the top 24 most dangerous people that need to be arrested that day, there's Dr. Simone Gold and there's her, her comms director, John Strand. You know, like, right away that should tell you, really, these were the two most dangerous people of the day. 
um, that were there? Did they do violence? No. What are they dangerous to? They're dangerous to the administration, the policies they were pushing, because she was leading a national movement of, of doctors. So when they go to arrest Simone Gold, they could have called up her secretary. They could have called up a PR person. They could have called her up and said, hey, we'd like you to come in. This is a doctor in her 50s, never been arrested, never had problems. Instead, she's hit with a tactical FBI unit coming in, uh, automatic weapons, lasers put on her, scared the heck out of her. And what, what message does that send out to all her Beverly Hills neighbors? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, she's, terrorist. she's a threat. We see this over and over and over again. They did it to Derek Kinison's family in Southern California. They did it to Tony Martinez's family. Um, they've done it to families you're going to see. I can't really talk about it yet, but you're going to see they did it to decorated combat veterans' families to the point of putting so much stress on the family when they came in and raided it that their wives lost their their baby, aborted, had a, a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. They were pregnant. They lost it. The trauma was so bad. I, I believe, and the people I've interviewed, that they're trying to force a confrontation. If they want a confrontation, they come in because they know most conservatives own weapons, and I think they really are going to come in hard and fast like that and try to provoke an incident, and they can say, see, we told you they were violent, we told you they were bad, now we've got the issues we need to go after all the rest. Um, I have. Go ahead. I was just going to say I wanted to mention that uh, your, your 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 documentary is available on hisglory.tv, H I S G L O R Y TV, and I think uh, Chris, it certainly sends the message uh, to those people that are uh, watching this unfold before these people show up at, at a home and breach the door and come in with automatic weapons and uh, laser sights and and everything like that. It sends the message to all of these other people who aren't even involved, don't mess with the federal government or this could be you. It's exactly what it does. It's called a purge. Mm -hmm. And what you have to do is you have to, when you take over any government, you have to knock out the opposition. So what they're doing here is, and the way they figure it is, they figure for every one person that went to January 6th, they figure there's between 25 and 50 more like that that didn't have the money or couldn't get off work to come. So what they're doing is they're making an example. If you stick your head too far up, we're going to cut it off. Mm-hmm. Because the folks, and look at what they're doing to these folks. I mean, we've never in our, in our lives had people go to prison, federal penitentiaries for eight months for criminal trespassing. I'm, I filmed people, Jesus Rivera. He's a former Marine. He was a stringer for a news outlet. Uh, from Florida. So he went in the Capitol. Uh, possibly he shouldn't have done that. Um, but he, as a news journalist, he was there with, with people from New York Times and the Atlantic and other people. These people were never arrested. But, uh, but Jesus goes in there, films the stuff, and the camera's running for the whole time he's in there. You see he never does anything violent. He goes back to Florida thinking he's going to get a promotion at the news station. He got this great footage. Instead, he gets arrested on criminal trespassing, and he gets eight months in a federal penitentiary. This, we, we haven't done that before. You have people sitting in the gulag in D.C. who are waiting for their trials, and they've been in prison over two years. Now, right, wrong, bad guys, good guys, this is still the United States of America. You're supposed to have, you're supposed to have a right to a speedy trial. You're supposed to... 
be able to have rights that were given to us by God. You'll see in, the, in, in, in Capital Punishment, you'll see Coy Griffin. He's an ex-pastor. He was a, he's the guy that started Cowboys for Trump, and he's an Otero County, New Mexico um, supervisor. He, he got arrested for praying at the Capitol. He never went in the Capitol building, but you see him praying to hundreds of thousands of people down below him. Somebody gives him a microphone, he prays. He gets arrested for that. What happens is they find him guilty of criminal trespassing. They use that to kick him off of the Otero County Board of Supervisors. Otero County was the only county in New Mexico that was in the process of doing a forensic um, investigation into the 2020 election in New Mexico. Now, guess what? When they used J6 to kick uh, Coy off the Board of Supervisors, they dropped that investigation. And we're seeing that over and over. You actually have Nancy Pelosi said she was going to put Capitol Hill police stations across the country. California, Texas, I was just in Tampa. They put one down there because there were so many people that they needed to arrest. I just got done interviewing a uh, FBI agent that was just drummed out of the FBI, Agent Steve Friend. He was in Florida working uh, pedophile task force. They pulled him off that to put him on um, um, going after domestic terrorists, J6ers. When he saw what was being done and how these investigations were being run and questioning why you would use military tactics to go arrest people that had never been in trouble with the law before in their entire life, he, he sat up and claimed with federal whistleblower status he should have been protected. Instead, they drummed him out of the FBI. You talk to Agent Friend, and he'll tell you how they've got plans to put a whole much bigger task force to go out after people that were there on January 6th. Not that it's winding down; it's just gearing up. Mm-hmm. And the people there, and the, this is what is really frightening. According to Agent Friend, the people that they the, they are staffing this new task force with are young agents right out of the academy, without experience. Mm-hmm. You you would never do that. Usually, agents like that, you put them with older agents, you go get them learn. They're taking; they've recruited really woke individuals. And they bring these folks in, and they're being told, you've taken an, an oath to the Constitution to defend it from all enemies, foreign, domestic. Well, those people on January 6th, those are domestic enemies. You must go after these people now. And why, in any, in any revolution takeover, you have to get the, the, I hate to say young and dumb, but that's the recruits you want to go do the worst work. Because the older folks, the agents like Steve Friend, um, that had law enforcement experience or some of the other agents that were military veterans, they know better. They know that's against the law. They know that's not right. So they're refusing to do these things. And so you're seeing in the FBI a targeting of those individuals. It's almost like there's a split in the FBI between the Comey attorney hires that will take a knee gladly and those that came in through military and law enforcement that are patriots, love the Constitution, but if they want to keep their jobs, if they want to keep their pensions, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something else that's very, very disturbing that America needs to hear. In the, in the people that we've been interviewing for this that have been arrested and targeted after January 6th, we're seeing two threads. One, they're people that were leaders in their community, anti-mask uh, programs, um, put together Trump caravans or like Dr. Simone Gold, 
America's frontline doctors, they're being knocked down. But then the other big strata of people we're seeing are Christians, and especially veteran Christians, military veterans that, that are Christians are being targeted big time. Um, the, the decorated Marine captain that led Reagan's uh, funeral detail at, at the library, they're going after him. Um, they're going after a guy named Jeremy Brown down in Tampa. He was just found guilty and sentenced to 7.2 years in prison. The FBI come to Jeremy Brown. This guy's got two bronze stars. He was a master sergeant in the Green Berets. He was literally the poster boy for the Green Berets. He's on posters for joining special forces. He was an elite operator. FBI came to him before January 6th and wanted him to spy on, on fellow Americans. And he listened to everything they did, and he didn't take their offer. Uh, he goes to D.C. Um, and does some bodyguard work. And when he sees them going after all these people, these people that are now being arrested are the people they wanted him to spy on. So he releases his, his audio recording of the FBI trying to, um, of the FBI trying to recruit him to spy. He's like, look, this is a setup. And I know they tried to recruit me to be part of the setup. Here's the recording of it. Well, a few weeks later, he and his, his partner, um, Tyleen, their house gets raided in Florida. And they get raided, and they get searched. And guess what happens when they search his, his house? They just happen to find in his RV two live hand grenades. And so they can't arrest him for anything he did on January. They haven't arrested him for anything he did on January 6th, but they arrest him for having these hand grenades. And it goes to trial, and they're in appeal now because in the trial, there's, there's no... His, his fingerprints aren't on the hand grenades anywhere. There are fingerprints on the hand grenades. There are fibers. There is DNA biometric material, but it doesn't belong to him. But they never run through the databases. Does it belong to anybody in the FBI? Does it belong to anybody in the CIA? You know, whose fingerprints are those? That never came out in the court, and that's part of what they're going to they're gonna go for on appeal. But I think it's just really coincidental that here's a decorated, you know, special forces operator who you know, serve this country valiantly and refuse to spy on his fellow Americans. And, oh, my gosh, he just happens to get raided and have two hand grenades in his motorhome. This is the kind of stuff we're seeing over and over. And it, it's truly frightening. But how many times does it have to happen that the coincidences are mathematically impossible? Mm-hmm. Well, I would uh, I would say that there have there's got to be people that know and are approached and can tell others what's going on. And, and here's the thing about it. Not everyone is a crackpot. Not everyone is a conspiracy theorist. There are people uh, who legitimately know what's going on and want to share that information with people. And as soon as they do, or uh, I would imagine before they do, maybe some kind of threat is made that if you say anything to anyone, that's it, that's all, uh, there ain't no more. But I, I also go back to something that happened many years ago. And it was something that was fueled by emotion. And in in these instances, with what happened back on September 11th, 2001, uh, we had uh, we had a thing called the Patriot Act that was uh, put together. And now, what it was initially put together for uh, 
uh, and what it's being used for now are the difference between day and night because now it's being used against people in this country and they're they they're they're very well may be in need in some instances but it seems like a lot of the people being targeted are these same kinds of people that have a story to tell about things that are going on or have gone on in this country and it's not what the media shows you or it's not the sound bites that we're, uh, we're 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 given access to, or things that are taken out of context. It's nothing like this at all, and I think that is the lead. Oh, I don't know. Essentially, when we when we look at anything, a lot of this is is based on emotion, and so you have to initially dig your claws in when it's fresh. And as it goes away, you know, do people forget about it? Do people have other things that they want to talk about? Uh, of course, we, we're we all about keeping the focus off of things that may actually lead people to believe that something else uh, was behind all of this, that there was a, a different uh, motivation or, or just a different motive. And then it's taken to the next level, and then we, we get something else that happens that completely throws everybody off uh, as far as a 24-hour news cycle goes. And that's the thing. I, I, you know, most Americans trust what they are told uh, in their evening news or their morning news or whatever it is they watch or use as a source to uh, get information. Uh, hardly anyone, and a good case in point, is doing their research. Uh, and I say that based on the fact that last year they passed Amendment Three in this in this state, which legalized recreational marijuana. And so a lot of people voted for it. A lot of people said, sure, that's great. Recreational marijuana, that's a, that's a great thing. Let's, uh, let's go with that. But they didn't see the devil in the details, and now that's all starting to come about and will come to fruition. And then everybody's going to be just left standing there saying, oh, what's all this? Well, if you would have read the entire piece of legislation, which is a uh, an amendment to the state constitution, you probably would have uh, learned a little bit more about it and and realized that there was a way that they wanted to do this initially without putting in all of these uh, other things that uh, people just really, as I said, didn't pay attention to. I know we're getting close to the top of the hour, Chris. And and before I let you go, uh, I, I want to do... No, no, we, need to, we, need to address, we need to address something before you leave. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, but no. What you just said is so important and should frighten every American. Let me explain to you how personal and, and, and intimate you are on this. Because of that, because of the Patriot Act, you need, I don't know if you know this, but I'm being investigated... For under federal as a federal uh, national security terrorist threat because mm-hmm. I made that movie. The FBI has come to my house. I've had to get a legal team under the Patriot Act because of that. Whoever I speak to, whoever I text, that gives them the right to go and then look at who they're I'm talking to. So just by you asking me to be on this show under the ter- under the Patriot Act, they can now look at you because they're investigating me. Well, there's good news. (laughs) There's good news. Uh, I guess maybe uh, I should, uh, rather than uh, having them knock down the door, I'll just be there waiting for them when they get there. And and I guess I have to start getting up even earlier than I do now. But in all seriousness, this is something that um, 
uh, a lot of people need to be aware of. Again, hisglory.tv is where you can see the documentary. But I would uh, I would ask that uh, you you uh, you need to come back and be on the program because there's so much more to discuss, and uh, we're up against the clock, unfortunately. Uh, but um, I will reach out to you again. Yeah, let's, let's come back and talk about the border because uh, we have a lot to talk about there, too. Chris, great hour. Thank you so much for your time, sir. I know you're a busy man, but we will coordinate and hopefully get you back on here soon to uh, to talk about the border because there's a lot going on down there that I'm sure people don't realize either. Have a good day, sir. Thank you for your time. God bless and uh, and good luck. And we'll uh, we'll uh, check out the uh, documentary Capital Punishment. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you, sir. Eighty nine point three K E Y K Osage Beach, Missouri.